Welcome to an episode of Leah and the Internet. I hope you enjoy the show. Leah and the Internet is a show featuring rotating guests who discuss the impact the Internet has on the world. So who's Leah Devin Sorrentino? I'm an artist currently living in San Francisco. On today's episode, guest host Sean Aquino is expecting a baby. So what better time to analyze the influence the Internet has had on major life events? The two of us talk about changes in the way we view parenting, birthdays, weddings, and death. I'm here with Sean Aquino. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I am a user experience strategist at Bunchball. I also am an online business owner and soon to be the father of a daughter. That's a lot of things. If, uh, <laughs> believe me, like, I, it, the amount of things is over-freaking-whelming right now. Where can people find you online? People can find me uh, at seanaquino.com. Awesome. And you mentioned that you are soon to be a father, a father specifically of a daughter. So we're going to start this conversation off, and all of these conversations are going to ro- revolve around life events, but specifically uh, parenting. Generation X and millennials are starting to procreate. Has the internet changed the way that we perceive parenting or how we parent or communicate? Yeah, definitely. I think what has been most profound for me is, obviously I'm not a parent yet, so I've been preparing to be a parent by doing an insane amount of research, which I share with you uh, on, it's, a, on a spreadsheet. It's an incredible spreadsheet. <laughs> it's three tabs, books, <laughs> articles, and discussion forums, right? Um, so at the very least, what has changed about parenting with the advent of the internet is the amount of information that you have access to, which, you know, previously it was that you go to the library, you go to like Barnes & Noble and buy a book and make sort of like choose what you think is going to be the best sure like what's what's the classic one what to expect what to expect when you're expecting expecting. right yeah so now when you look at that on on amazon next to that book there are like hundreds of books just about there are millions of books about parenting hundreds of thousands of books about being a mom and several hundred maybe a couple thousand about being a dad Um, (laughs) (laughs) the pool's not as not as deep no not at all but uh what is interesting is that now uh what i have found uh, useful to me about my interaction with the internet specifically about how to be about a parent is that you don't have to invest in a hundred pages of a book to decide whether or not it's, it's good for you. There used to be book reviews before there was the internet. Sure. But now they're in, now they're user generated. Yeah, there's so much and, reading. I didn't even think about that. And it's also so there's a lot of curation around it. My ability to sift through well, so you saw my list, which is like a lot. But in actuality, I was able to. So what I typically do is I read the most positive review and the most negative review, and, and then of, try to deal like what's then, in between. Yeah, what's in between? Because yeah. like the reality is going to be in between. So anything that where uh, Amazon is great because you can see like how many people upvoted that most negative or most positive review. Sure. And then start to form opinions like, well, this is a 500 page book. Do I, you know? My attention span is now of the digital age, which means it's like 30 seconds. Yeah, so you can read about 30 pages of that book total. Right, before, and then I need to be able to decide whether or not that's good, this is going to work out for me, because yeah. not only is there a glut of information just in terms of books, but there's also reviews, right? So I want to maximize my time as far as like what I'm going to read, what I'm going to actually invest my time into, which is crazy. Right? Yeah, so what I like about this conversation so far is that you've become quite good at deciding what books could possibly teach you about parenting have you learned about parenting (laughs) from any of these books yes so yes (laughs) and the other thing i want to touch upon that you mentioned previously prior internet people would search out library books or go to bookstores but the one thing that i think is also translated to a different form of communication online is the way we would learn how to parent is through stories through how other people thought that you should parent. You learn how to be a parent by watching your own, watching others, and all of that's moved online, and now you have the visibility to how hundreds and hundreds of millions of people parent. It's not just like your closest network. And I, I'm curious, because you, uh, you mentioned like subreddits for parents, and, and I, I wonder how that's changed the conversation in terms of for positive and negative things you hear about par- like oh you learned it from your you learned it from your, your immediate mom, network yeah, yeah. right that's certainly um so there's there's two thoughts that i have about that one is that and uh, this is true for you too we're both transplants to california right yeah. so the people who we grew up with are really far away i'm from chicago and you're from new jersey before 
so let's say isolated of the internet, like when somebody transplanted to a new state, they had to they had to amass like a new community or new sure. social group, and from them they would learn what are how do you learn to become a parent? How do you learn about about some kind of like major life event, right? And you sort of measure yourself against that. Well, in the digital age, one you have greater access to that community if you, you should want behind, it yeah. that you left behind. So there's still a connection with that. But then also you can, like anything on the internet, kind of subreddit down into what what are your what you feel are your values and what you feel is going to work for you and find more people like that. So it is both a blessing and a curse that you can get really down into like what are the uh, what are the types of parenting that I would like to be interested in. Yeah. Plus you now have to be more of a reviewer and a, a critical person to decide where am I going to go because there's so many choices. Yeah, I was just even as you were saying this, I wonder how the categories could become infinite. Like if you decided you wanted to find atheist parents who were into paleo diets. You can find that. Yeah, for, for... I'll get you a dad blog about that right now. <laughs> and it's almost like, I think I posed the question when we started is, is it easier to now learn how to be a parent or think you're prepared or at least being prepared for parenthood or is it all smoke and mirrors and it doesn't matter how much information that we can consume. I, I think about, I, I had a friend who recently had a baby and his, his name's Dustin and he's so knowledgeable about being a parent. Like went to this like best baby on the block Happiest class. baby on ha- the block. Happiest baby. Get with it, Leah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he said best <laughs> and I'm just like, but you know, like it's it became this new sense of authority for him and i was thinking like this he did not you know go to the elders and find out through sifting of all the parents of what's it was the internet that tells him to go this way that way and the other and his kid does seem really Super happy, happy. yeah like she does seem like the happiest baby, baby on the block, block. Yeah. i think about also the visibility that being able to be judged as a parent the internet has like provided mm. you know there, there's so much that would happen behind closed doors that you didn't know uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the parents in Baltimore it was like a, a viral piece of content that they would send their kids or young kids to go to a playground and then eventually the authorities kept getting called on them for sending their kids like three quarters of a mile down to the playground without supervision mm. I saw like the two polarizing like conversations that started happening online where some parents were like, how could you do that to your kids? And then the other side of like, we used to go to the park without our parents all the time. And I started to think, well, is it the, have we always wanted to intervene on the way people parent, but we didn't have the visibility to it? So this like hyper parenting that you see, or like this hyper protection of kids, is that because we finally have matured into a species that can now monitor everything, or is it because it's just so easy to be a squealer? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> well, and squealing is so loud too. So yeah. maybe it's like the the, the volume of the squealers is is sort of like skewed people's perception of like how many there are out there as well. Yeah, I th- I think about like all the research that you've done. If if it wasn't so easy and accessible, I think like so to the to the parents from the kids from Baltimore, there was an article that I read where it's like, if we didn't have cell phones, this wouldn't be an issue because nobody would take the second step to call the police if they had to like go back to their house, pick up the phone, like Mm. all those old steps. Do you think that you would have narrowed your focus when trying to learn about being a dad, a dad specifically to a girl, if it wasn't as accessible? Yes and no. Because it's so much easier, I am able to get down so far into it if it was harder so if i had to go to like a library and like look at a shelf of books and and sort of randomly pick based on the you know cover of the book like the back summary it would be much more of a like a larger effort to make it but since it isn't i can spend the same in the way i think about it is i can spend the same amount of time that i would have in just sort of making the selection and being more critical and more being more informed about like what to get into has there been points where any of these uh, communities that you found online 
have like really led you astray? Uh, or is it like too early to even know? It's too early to know. Like sometimes you'll be like, and and you're racist. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I need to unsubscribe from what you're talking about right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this moment like, wow, you're really making a lot of, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so you have to be really careful about that. But even, even, even uh, that said, yeah, like it then it calls you into it calls into question like how you were like like oh my god am I am I really like following this person and then I discovered like what else they were about and now I have to question my own ability to judge like where am I getting good advice sure. for so it is both empowering and also completely overwhelming right because you have such a glut of choice that you can start to like nibble away or get into like whatever it is and then you make a discovery like oh this person is racist great. <laughs> I have to, like, kind of back out of that now. Yeah. Um, and the well, burden gets put back on you to decide what the best thing to do is. Well, I was specifically thinking about, like, Reddit is such a... Oh. Is, at some point, the treasure chest of the internet, and then it's also, like, the treasure chest that could be filled with, like, pig anus. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Like, you you don't actually... It's It's Pandora's box in its entirety. It could be filled with wonders, or it could be filled with... A bunch of yeah. racist, a, <laughs> yeah. racist, bigots, closed-minded, weird, satanic, like... Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, are Satanists bad? And I was like, no, no, they inherently believe in the, like, the power of evil. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was wondering, like, how many parody accounts that you've possibly run into. Like, I think about how subversive I am when it comes to the content that I put online. And sometimes it's something like this podcast where I am interested in like being analytical and critical and um, positive with the information. And then there's other times where I'm just really interested in messing with somebody. I mean, today we when Facebook went down, it took me all of 10 seconds to come up with a video making fun of people being upset about Facebook being right. down. Right. And I think like, man, I put that much energy into that. What other... Parenting is something that somebody could really mess someone's day up with. I can't imagine, like, the weird content that you're coming across. Yeah, it's totally a lot. I mean, and you think about it, too, like, parenting is your biological core function, right? Like, that's, that's like, kind of how we survive as a species. <laughs> so, of course, there are a lot of people who are engaged in this activity in one way or another, right? And it's the reason why all of us are here. So, when you think about, like, sort of, the ultimate diverse activity parenting is one of those things right that most people do and so of course you get a huge spectrum of what's how people do parenting like how they think about it that's why especially in a more digital information age there's like so much that you can consume about it and also why people feel like they're the experts on it right sure where if I've been a parent, so now I have this whole experience, like literally years of experience doing this thing. Not me, but theoretically. The yeah. Um, so I feel entitled or empowered to tell other people like how they should do it because I've been there. If you take extrapolate that to any other situation where, oh, I've been, I've been a strategist for 10 years. I feel qualified to say something about this. Right? Yeah. But unlike any other activity that humans engage with, like somebody could be a strategist for two years and and be better than the 10-year right. person. But it, nobody kind of makes that switch with parents. It's, right. it's always longevity trumps, logic trumps. Like, and you, and you, never, you never ask for people's pedigree with their parenting. It's like, well, let me see where your kid went to college before you talk about it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, what's, what's their uh, criminal record yeah. here? Are we Let's going with a zero? Yeah, or... what, what's their GPA before, you know, before we continue this conversation? Do you think that there would be as much of a community around dads without the internet? Um, like, I mean, really think about this. Media, even television, up, up until television has made parenting the woman's priority. Right. You know, the, the dad's like the dude that came home and like smoked a pipe and had the paper. And even like comically, like the dad is normally the person who like can't get the schedule right, can't get it together, like forgets the lunches. like Right. It's certainly been the stereotype and like sort of like what has been, what we've been socialized to be like and to expect. I think that, again, with the admin of the internet, like that has still that was still like the sort of uh, the main uh, idea of it but as things progress and as people talk more and more about parenting 
while there you didn't used to be a lot about dads, there is more and more. And then our notion of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father has also evolved over time. And because of the ability to hear other people from a, a wide range of different sources, you now are having people gravitate towards having those shared conversations more. Do you think that the internet has created a more empowering role for fathers? Or is this something that the, the father has always had an expanded role? It's just kind of been a different conversation to keep the woman as the homemaker. Like, there, there's a lot of reasons why, aside from like possibly women being more nurturing or actually the bearer of the children, there's a lot of reasons why people would want to keep in place that the man is disengaged in the process, right? Like, because your function historically has been breadwinner, not children bearer raiser. Things start to change and women have a more substantial role in household incomes and and lots of different roles that were historically for men are now being taken up by women that the internet has made something more visible that's always existed or has it just made it easier for men to like catch up? I think it's been that what has been portrayed in the public as what is quote unquote normal, there are many more facets to that now. And that while, so I'll, I'll put it in perspective for myself, right? Like I'm not, I, I don't view myself and I don't, act in that sort of traditional manner as like the the breadwinner like I expect food on the table like when I get home and like my wife does the laundry like it's going almost like the complete opposite of that right yeah but if I had lived in the 1950s that would be what was being publicized in the U.S. and like what would be expected because there is more voice given to a wider range of opinion and of ways of life I can now validate my behavior by seeing it in other places and people like me can gravitate towards each other more that's sure. what that's what's it's what's being enabled by you know by having such a large amount of information so it then gains momentum right because maybe there are maybe there are actually like 40 percent or 50 percent of guys who think that same way however like the way that the conversation has been conducted and like the way that information has been portrayed that is not that's it that's incongruent with what they're seeing so sure maybe they convert the other way and then they be you know it's like a spectrum so maybe those guys who would maybe be better in terms of being more uh being more involved in a child's life or being just being more involved domestically would swing the other way because yeah that's because what they're it's, being it's starting to, to become counterintuitive to what you like what seeing. you feel and what you think becomes different than what you're seeing. Right, yeah. and so then I swing that way versus now there are these other conversations percolating up just because of, also too, because like society's shifting in the way they think about it, right? So there's more there's more momentum sure. building towards that. Like you hear things about like paternity leave. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now I can validate that more like, oh, okay, this is what other people do. Because it's one of the big things that I discovered about parenting as well uh, while doing my research. It was really, it was really, I felt really good about being able to connect to people who are having a similar experience, right? And I imagine that beforehand, you would only be able to rely on your immediate community. And yeah. if the rest of... Um, Whatever their ideology was essentially had to become yours. Right. And so it was by circumstance that if I grew up like in a, you know, super conservative, like really certain way of thinking type of neighborhood that I would, yeah, I would be the outlier. Yeah, or if it was like more patriarchical. Yeah, and... or more patriarchal would because... A, I'm a transplant, right? Like, I'm not from California, so I can sort of choose, right? And then B, because of the internet, I can also do more research into, like, how I want to be and find other people like me. I'm able to kind of break out of that if that's not what I, what I want to do. Yeah. I think one thing that you said that I want to highlight is this idea of, like, normalizing. I think that the internet has changed the way everybody perceives what parenting will be like through viral content that's like funny but then also it can go serious to dark uh, and I want to highlight the the blog why is my kid crying and I think that it I think the first time it got popular I saw it two years ago on the Today Show and it surfaced it was a blog where this woman puts um, sources her con content and the content of others and people talk about the ridiculous reasons that their children are throwing a fit and, you know, uh, one that you highlighted was, what was it about the kid was crying because he found out that his soup was homemade? That's right. Um, there's, you know... 
There's another one that's like a uh, five-year-old. Are people made of meat? Are people made of talking meat? Meat, dot, dot, dot. Right? Like, it's just sort of like why like kids throw a tantrum. Yeah. I think that this is interesting for two reasons. Is one, prior to the internet, I think that the parent's role in a kid-child relationship was like incomplete servitude. And that if you saw a parent in public and their kid was throwing a fit, that's immediately shaming to the parent, right? And societally, be like, get your kid under control. Like, I even remember, like, thinking that when I was, like, a teenager hmm. before seeing that the, ki- the kids do this. I just thought that bad kids did bad behavior and that it was bad parenting that indicated bad behavior. And now I see all of these, like, hashtag bad parent or um, different ways that parents are trying to communicate that if your kid's freaking out, it's okay. And, like, don't be embarrassed about it. Don't. I- and I see my friends who are now starting to have kids where like my friend who was like recently going on a flight took a picture of her kid before it was crying and was like everybody be cool when the kid starts to freak out when the plane goes up Hmm. and in this way of like kind of circumventing like her guilt that this is going to happen but then also like normalizing it do we have a better insight on what it is to be a parent i think i think we have a more open conversation about it right where parenting talking about sex, talking about all of those things used to be like this sort of hushed conversation, right? That, uh, again, very traditional, like people had a point of view. It was like maybe just your mom or your dad who would tell you about it. Sure. Or not not tell you about it. Or not tell you about it. And that's a whole other story. Um, (laughs) And, but now people are talking more openly about it and they're sharing. And so it sort of like takes the pressure off. So we're taking a pregnancy class right now, and that's one of the things that they talk about. It's like, you know, part of the benefit of being able to talk to other people who are parents too is that you can sort of share your this common experience and know that, oh yeah, this thing where like I woke up and I was like totally zonked out and like was super moody, that happened to me too, right? So yeah. that's different maybe than it used to be where you wouldn't necessarily talk about your personal life in that way to complete strangers. Um, but now we have like a whole freaking class about like all of like the the dirty business and like everything that's going on and about being pregnant well i feel like i before the internet i had no idea what a blowout was do you know what this is okay so uh and the only reason i know this about is the comical stories that parents tell is when your kid (laughs) uh goes to the bathroom so much that it blows out the diaper like it like literally comes out oh my god that is so vile (laughs) i don't know that i'm thankful for knowing what that means now (laughs) but the only reason i i thought it was a baseball term (laughs) i was so shocked (laughs) i did not see you i did not see that coming uh apparently i'm on a weirder part of the internet than you (laughs) or my friends are just that gross oh wow yeah and this is something that I had no idea existed. This is something that I know I had no idea that I wanted to know that I did not <laughs> want to know that it existed. And I I think about this in terms of now even saying it out loud, I'm curious to hear your opinion of how much are you going to share your kids' day-to-day life on your social media? Uh, I I think about this, I have I can tell you a couple ways that I've seen it done. Complete saturation. <laughs> <laughs> which for in my world means complete unfollow (laughs) like if i see a baby picture more than i'll give you every other day which i feel is quite generous yes you exceed to a day you're done in my book we're done we're done with this what do you say just anything about your kids or just or pictures specifically or what I will tolerate there's a woman named Sophia Murphy that I was a former co-worker of mine who does post stuff about her children every day and it's hilarious. It's like about their tantrums and about all of the weird stuff that their kids do. If you can understand that social media is for my entertainment, you can stay on my Facebook wall. <laughs> Sophia Murphy has knocked that out of the park. Um, some other friends, which I've appreciated, have started Facebook groups. So, and then you're only a part of the group if you genuinely oh, want to smart. see the, the baby pictures every day. Uh, and then I have, then there's one degree less than that. I have a friend that solely went with the Tumblr. It's not on Facebook at all, but there is a social media presence. And then there's complete like blackout. And you have to, you have to want, you have to decide to go to that Tumblr and, and then walk. Yes. So the group you get to opt in, the Tumblr you opt in, 
Sophia the Anomaly is just really funny. And then there's Complete Saturation. Hmm. Um, and I and I I will say that I should probably give some people a chance because it's usually complete saturation for like the first six months. But that's a really rough six months for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested to, to hear because like you, I'm sure that you actually mentioned this about you writing content or providing content about your child yeah. online. I mean, essentially you're doing this right now. Right. So um, the first question first, I think for me, it'll be levels, right? Because legitimately her grandparents and our like immediate family is not going to care. So I think I might create like, I, I think you can do different like types of posts for like different circles yep. of friends, right? Yeah. I'm a bit of a like, just a little, a little bit with that, with things like that. But probably for like grandparents and aunts and uncles, they'll probably get like the full stream of like sure. know, pictures and they will love it, right? Because it's about, we're both strategists, so it's about strategizing for your audience, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and knowing what's going to motivate them to eventually send bonds for their <laughs> birthdays. <laughs> exactly. Because um, it's all about the dollar bills, people. Um, <laughs> so for that circle of people, it'll probably be more frequent. My wife and I were actually talking about this is like, because I was thinking about in our, what we had previously been talking about is like sort of like how many different types of conversations are happening about dads and one of the resources out there. And there's still not a lot. So I was thinking about starting a blog about, uh, about being a dad and providing sort of a more, what I think would, would provide value to people, right? And sure. would be of more use. So in that regard, probably the way I would post it to just like general friend level would be something that somebody could derive some kind of value from. So like knowing what a blowout is. <laughs> and may, maybe more importantly, how to prevent it would be something that... If I don't think it's a preventing. I, I think it's a... I want, it's you to, a I want you to walk down this path with me later for a moment sure. where I can believe that a blowout is preventable. And then after you're done and you edited this podcast, you can add back in that it's not, it's not possible. It's like a warning disclaimer. It's a warning disclaimer, but for now let's pretend that it's possible. Sure. <laughs> So, um, for your mental stability, for my mental that. stability, at least until the first one, until we have another blowout. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you have an adult blowout? Is that, I don't know, okay, never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, I might. I went to Folsom, I think you can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We went there, people. Um, <laughs> So I think that uh, posting something about how to prevent blowouts in your children, I think that if it included a picture of my daughter, I think would be acceptable to share with like my sure. general friend list. You know, and there's like a lot of amazing content that people create uh, that involves their kids, that I'm sure is going to be like an amazing memory for them. Do you remember the viral content of the Pixar animator that created his son into a superhero? Like, oh yeah, vaguely. And it was super adorable, and he was like maybe two or yeah. three, and uh, doesn't understand like his current internet success. Uh, <laughs> Certainly. But there, there's all these like uh, I imagine if now as an adult, I had this uh, great experience where my mom uh, had a camcorder like with everything that we did, and for part of my thesis project when when I was getting my master's degree, I incorporated all these home movies into. Uh, a piece hmm. and there's so many of the moments that if they were translated online and especially if they went viral i'd be incredibly proud as an adult to have seen like oh man i could sing that michael jackson song while skiing down the mountain i was amazing <laughs> and that's the type of stuff that like i hear a lot of people being like oh your kid's gonna be so embarrassed but now I'm capturing the blowout photo might not be the memory that like i think that there's the 13 year old that will hate everything that you've ever posted right. online. And then by the time they become 23, it becomes the thing that they're crying at at their college graduation. Sure. I think it, I think it has a lot to do with how, how the intent of the message that you're posting, right? If it's like, oh, look at how crazy my kid is. Sure. You know, that's going to come back to you maybe. <laughs> um, you know, your, your Facebook feed is your Facebook feed. Like, it's the rules are not different in terms of posting about kids. If it is entertaining funny uh interesting informative and in informative all that stuff like people will keep following you if it's just like you know the barf of post after post after post about nothing 
you then know you, you lose yeah, you, you lose a person or two and this like brings me to the idea of just like how rites of passage in general have mm. completely changed specifically because of social media i don't think that in terms of information with with the internet we we're not more informed about how to celebrate a birthday or wedding i think that there's new avenues but specifically social media has kind of changed just growing up just becoming an adult and what's spurred this like idea one is just this conversation about like kind of like mapping your social media journey like anybody especially that's a millennial that can't remember existence without the, without the internet you and i are of the age where i think that we're both considered digital natives um but we distinctly remember a time where birthdays were celebrated just in a classroom and if you had a summer birthday then you didn't have a birthday at all (laughs) (laughs) or it was at the pool yeah uh, you just happened to be at the pool that day yeah like my birthday is um on mother's day oh my gosh so like every year i hated it during school because like it would be like we're all making gifts for our mothers and i'd be like it is my birthday like, yeah. I do not understand why we are making recycled paper hearts for our moms <laughs> when they should be recycled paper birthday cakes for, for me. me. Um, but now the way my birthday or anybody's birthday is celebrated isn't, it's like so much more public. I don't know if it's actually like a deeper experience. Mm. And there was a BuzzFeed article that I read that was essentially like, how do you have a birthday online or like what's birthday internet etiquette? Right. And two things that I want to highlight from that article is, is one, essentially, the coordination that Facebook events has kind of changed, like, especially with privacy settings, where you can have, like, a public event birthday or a private, Private. or, and being selective about your, like, birthday entourage. (laughs) And then the other thing that I thought was weird was they mentioned that you could possibly have visibility to your, like, enemies' birthdays, Hmm. and then, because you're uh, most likely friends with anybody who you've ever known ever on Facebook. Right. Uh, which I don't understand why people don't actually exercise, including myself, more discretion. Like, there's people just on accept, my Facebook where I'm like, God, like, I hate I them. Right. And you've accepted the, the invite anyway. Yeah, and I'm still, like, liking their status for some reason. Um, are our milestones deeper because we can share them with more people? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think about, like, so... When it's my birthday and you receive like, you know, like the hundreds of like birthday well wishes. Yeah. In some ways it feels like it's some ways it feels deeper. It's like, oh, yeah, like people took maybe like 10 seconds to do that. But I still I feel more connected to that. You know, so I guess it's both in some ways. Like you take that as, oh, I feel more connected to like such a wide range of people and that they remember to take the time to do this. Or you could be like, yeah. It took five seconds. It wasn't a whole lot of effort. Like, do they really, like, want my... Are they really happy that it's my birthday? Or are they just, like, clicking the button that was put in front of them this morning when they took it? Yeah, it's... I think about this. I never wish people happy birthday on Facebook. (laughs) Look like you're disgusted with me. Unless they're... Like, unless I know that the time I took to post about their birthday on Facebook... Was meaningful? Yeah, supersedes my not feeling like doing it. So there's some people who are, I'm not even that close with them, but I know that they're genuinely going to appreciate me writing happy birthday on their Facebook wall in some kind of photo or something like that. Then I'll do it. Or like if they're an incredibly close friend. If it's not perfunctory, in other words. Yeah. If it's not like the HBD. Like every time. And and I almost, (laughs) I almost love the like saturated amount of happy birthday messages that someone receives equally as much as the obligatory oh my god guys thank you so much for making this birthday incredible i feel so <laughs> loved yeah i i started actually screenshotting the response like the birthday thank you because huh. i wanted to see the similarities like were there things that we had to touch upon like i had an amazing day check thank you all for thinking of me check <laughs> and i i feel like my birthdays aren't i they're more visible but I don't know if they're any different. Richer? Do, you, do they feel richer? Yeah, I don't like. I don't think so. Hmm. And either my friends don't love me, which is also a terrible reality that I could come to <laughs> on this podcast. Wow, we're making a lot of progress today, Leah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new therapy podcast. It's... Along these same lines, I think that there's a lot of... Not that birthdays are tertiary. 
I think that like sometimes birthdays get a bad rap because people have such high expectations of them. It's like New Year's Eve, except oh, personalized, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like a personal disappointment. But there's new things that all of these holidays that didn't previously exist, all these other milestones that didn't exist, but now do because of social media. Sibling day is like the one that always comes to mind. Uh, grandparents day, office administrator day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a day. I got... One time when I was an office administrator, you got an office. I got Isn't a, that a secretary theory. It's a, yeah. It's well. It, there's no more secretaries day. It's oh, office administrator day? day. I stand corrected. Thank and you. I got a fifty dollar gift card to an Ecuadorian restaurant. It was delicious. What? But I was like, this would not have existed without the internet. I would not be eating this delicious Ecuadorian food right now. Is that the internet though? Is that Hallmark? Sibling day and grandparents day and all of that. Like you get a Facebook notice. Hmm. That lets you know that this is that day. And previously, you could if if I didn't celebrate sibling day, my brother's not online at all. Hmm. Like he has an email. It's like a really weird cryptic like name. I, I think it has something to do with racehorses, like post time. Post time one three four six seven. Yeah, eight. something like that. <laughs> and uh, if that's not his email, don't email that. Yeah. Like if, I, if I previously before the visibility of the internet did nothing for Siblings Day, nobody would know, hmm. right? Like, Hallmark could try to leverage that as much as they want, but the only type of repercussion I would have is from my immediate network being like, did you send your brother a Siblings Day card? And you could lie. Yeah, you could just be like, oh, it got lost in the mail. Like, I can't believe this. <laughs> now, if if you have your, most people have the, your their family tagged on their social media profiles. If you don't right. do if- something for Grandparents Day, Siblings Day, second dog day like people it's like you're making an active choice to not celebrate that right because like like the the bar has been raised to be like well this is this is what is now expected like why haven't you done it yeah i mean do you now do you personally engage in any of these i like did not know like the grandparents day and the other thing thing existed and some of them are like way new like, huh. Siblings Day is, like, two years, I feel like I've seen, like, big pushes for Siblings Day. I can't tell you what day it is. I'm an only child, so I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't celebrate in my family because my brother's not online. So, <laughs> but... Happy birthday, bro. Wish you were here. I do sometimes feel, like, this bizarre sense of guilt when these um, new holidays come online of, like, how connected am I with the, the actual people who are supposed to be important to me? Mm. Because I chat all day long with different people and different friends and tweet at strangers. But when I feel like the connection to my like nuclear family is not as, it's not that it's not as strong, it's, but it's definitely in competition with everybody else I could be communicating with. Right. Like the effort that you put towards it online. Yeah. That's kind of true for me too. Right. Because I'm really bad at like posting, right. It's like, Anytime, like, maybe if I have a really good meal or a really good donut, <laughs> I'll post, which you now can see. Yeah. But, you know, if I think about how many times I posted, like, to my close family, it's, like, not a whole lot. And yet, they're much closer to me than anybody else. Right? Sure. So, is, is the effort commensurate with the actual fact of, like, what's going on? No. In terms of, like, birthdays and then these other, like, kind of mini fake milestones that have now been kind of fictitiously developed because of social media... I think that maybe not much in terms of it, they've made us more connected possibly to maybe the people that matter the least mm. <laughs> in some, some strange way. This makes me think about how people participate in weddings and how I personally participate in weddings. How so? Well, we talked about this offline a little bit where most weddings at this point have a social component, like a hashtag, yeah. the wedding hashtag. I'm laughing about the wedding hashtag because I talk about it in this very serious way because it is part... I've, I've had extensive conversations with people... She has people. a very serious face right now. Yeah, I've had extensive conversations with people about how, like, well, what's the hashtag going to be? Has the hashtag been used for anything else? Is the hashtag clever? Is it too long? Will people see it? Do we put it in the program? I mean, it's, it's so much a part of that day. Hmm. And is it because... There's, there's a limitation to weddings with how many people can participate them because there's a financial component to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you might want all 548 Facebook friends to attend your right. wedding, but budgetarily you can it's have like 100. 
and Periscope. Uh, <laughs> you can live stream. I I wish I totally live streamed the last wedding I was at. What a what a gift that would have been to anybody. I think that this is like a like a a a false perception though of how important the social component to a wedding is. Hmm. Because is it for the couple that really wants to broadcast, like, or is it for the people who can't attend to be a part of the day, right? And would they even want to see that? Yeah, do they even care? I think, like, I, I used the hashtag at the last wedding I was at. I had a great time searching through the photos that I went back, but we think about the internet as this incredibly vast place and one where information spans, like, all corners of the earth. But I think... As social media especially gets adopted into these very personal personal rites of passage that we go through, that the internet's starting to like narrow in scope. Mm -hmm. And that it's not really, like we forget that other people can look at our wedding. We forget that other people can observe our birthdays. It's like this weird, we're creating a known voyeurism, but we think that we're only talking to a specific audience. Yeah, and one also too that it's not so wide open. Right. Like having to strategize around your wedding hashtag. It's not as if you could have just picked any combination of, you know, your name and and, uh, and your partner's name. You have to be strategic about picking it so that it's not like something that Kanye and Kim decided to post about one day. Like, totally <laughs> yeah, like you, yeah, you couldn't just post hashtag love is real. Like. Right. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Right, so it's not in. We do think of it as vast, but it also like there are very distinct, uh, like sort of islands, right, where people are undisputedly like the dictators of this hashtag. Yeah, I think that our perception of weddings. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I'm actually attending weddings, hmm. or I didn't understand how ritualistic weddings are, and that sounds ridiculous to say out loud. Because that's all a wedding is, is a ritual. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Yeah, it's a big ceremony. It wasn't until, like, really digesting information online about... There was, like, a piece that went viral recently about this woman who was the 11th person to wear a wedding dress. And there was other... I've seen other things about, like, how to plan the most mermaid wedding and and all these different facets of... I, I just assume, like, party, check, rings, check... And then that's it. Hmm. Um, I didn't understand until like going to a wedding and now seeing all these articles of like the 10 things you need to know about making your wedding successful. Like five wedding dances you need at your next wedding. So there's the ritual aspect of it too, but there's also, I think what you're touching on is the tradition aspect of it and like the legacy aspect of it where there are certain dances that you do or there are certain... Uh, things that you do within it, like like a ring, like ring bear, flower girl, like these are all like standardized parts of this ritual that we call wedding. Yeah, I think that, and and then to kind of go the opposite way, I think that the internet is starting to expose that you don't actually have to follow the ritual. Mm. Like I, there's like also, a, and I don't know if this is because of the excuse me the algorithms geared towards me, but there's also this celebration of being single. Like yeah. this celebration of um, not getting married or that like being acceptable lifestyle that it's like kind of changing what we think our trajectory is supposed to be to like bring it back to the first part of this conversation. One of the things about parenting becoming so visible and like the behavior of seeing how kids actually interact and how parents actually interact it has scared me to like, oh my God, I would never be ready for this like child who's screaming and blowing out and <laughs> and like mad at me because it doesn't understand that it needs to eat a vegetable. Like, and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm 31. I don't, maybe this isn't for me. Right, <laughs> like, and right. where previously, I don't think that that would even be something in my mind. I definitely remember like being 15 and thinking, well, eventually I will have kids and I don't know if, like, the internet has created this different impression. It's the same thing with, like, a wedding. I always assumed that I would have a wedding that would do X, X, and X. And now I have all this information of, like, where you were talking about, you can find a community that celebrates, like, an opposite choice of what has historically been normal. Right. You think, too, that it's because, like, you have a concept of what it is, but then seeing, like, actual photos and 
learning about like the specific rituals like makes it more real for you and that reality is sometimes different that you don't or gives makes you consider things that you did not makes you consider things that you hadn't right where it's like oh yeah like one day i'll have a kid but i never thought about like having to like having no sleep or having to change diapers or that kind of thing yeah and i think that like those like really basic things like super aware that diapers would have to be changed i think that what the internet has shown is the actual responsibility that it takes Mm. and selflessness that it takes to be a parent and how much sacrifice um financially a wedding could be or some of these these other things that we knew we identified as rites of passage that they be they made us an adult and it was really important to aspire to getting married and having children because that deemed you an adult. And now you can see many different communities online who are still deemed adults and adult behavior. And it's like redefined what that success looks like. Hmm. And I think that that's, that's at least what's changed my perception is, okay, to a subset of people, if I'm a woman who makes a conscious decision not to have a baby... I will have never become a woman. Like, but I can find a whole bunch of other people (laughs) who think it's like really cool that I've decided to be more business minded or follow my art career or that I. Any one of those things except like, except like putting, like dedicating your life towards raising another. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's redefining, and by it, I think that the internet's redefining the community census yeah. that there's this like specific tribe mentality that was very small in scope because you relied on a specific community in that community's ideology and there's there's just not one community anymore and it's really easy maybe in and not not always the correct way because you can find anything online to rationalize bad behavior too like if i wanted to find a community of people who thought that like me watching like binge watching netflix every saturday night was like the true way to salvation (laughs) i'm sure i could find yeah indeed it's essentially buzzfeed.com when you're saying that it also made me think about too that your the intensity of the experience also is still not captured well online. You know, because yeah. I think about my own wedding and, like, how we posted pictures of it, but it still doesn't capture, like, the true, like, emotional depth and the true, like, intensity of the experience well. And that as an outside observer to that, like, seeing other people's weddings, like, and pictures of them, I know also doesn't capture it, right? So there is this idea of um, seeing, like, the realities of it, but I think what's still missing, and maybe this just isn't, isn't capturable by this medium, is that level of emotion, that level of intensity sure. of what happens. Well, I've talked to like a few of my friends who've got who've gotten married, and they've all I've asked most of them like, does it feel different? Like, do you feel different? And all of them unanimously have said absolutely. Oh yeah. And there's I'm like, saying that right now. Yeah, like I could. <laughs> I've seen, like, the most touching videos online, the most viral YouTube wedding dances, or, like, what's the, what's the parade of people that go to down the aisle? I don't... Uh, the wedding party? Yeah, the wedding party. Like, where the choreographed to... Yeah. Which, ironically, was Chris Brown's song, which <laughs> it's just the epitome of love. Um, <laughs> none of that can possibly convey. No movie, no... Any medium, like, when somebody says yes, my life has completely changed after this one particular day, for good or for, for bad, I, I think you're right that, like, the, that the internet just can't convey, convey it. it. Yeah, I mean, even writing sometimes fails to convey it, right? Like, even, like, really good stories, books, like, any passages about it sometimes don't still fall short somehow of, like, the real impact of it, right? Of, of that you've made, like, this sort of... You've made this choice of you've, st- you've crossed this threshold... And your life is forever changed, right? That's really hard to encapsulate, like on a Facebook post. <laughs> even you may say, you may even say, "No, guys, really, 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 my, <laughs> life, my life is totally different." With like I'm totally three serious. emojis, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, since 
for many people, marriage is the beginning of life. This, all these conversations talking about parenting and childbirth and birthdays, there's been a complete change in mentality, or I don't know if it's been complete yet, but there's been a change in mentality of the afterlife online and how death is perceived online. And just as visible as like a birthday is or a wedding is so is someone dying. Like that story is now told or communicated to so many more people within your personal network than ever before. Like death was like a very private affair. At least a very private affair for most people. Yeah. I think what has happened is that where it used to be only reserved for like celebrities and other people and other notable people, the sure. amount of information that you can contribute or add to about a person's passing has raised to that level, right? Or raised to uh, that uh, like a level closer to that. Yeah, I think about I've fortunately have not had many personal losses as an adult online. But I have seen others who have had people that are close to them. And one interesting thing is you hear more story. I feel like social media has provided a platform that makes the story of someone's life much more rich. uh, Because other people who knew that person can contribute to to that story, to that content. And then there's also uh, an interesting thing that that I've seen connected, especially when the loss is over a sickness, hmm. is the attachment of crowdfunding hmm. to like the way that like as a stranger to the situation that might be like empathetic to it, you can donate to people that you don't even know or hardly know, know. Um, because of like things like GoFundMe and right. the, I've seen a lot of situations like that where it's something. I don't know if I think about more mortality as permanent Hmm. since I've seen so many stories online. It feels like somebody keeps going on. They have a greater legacy online or they, they have the ability to have a, maybe a richer legacy, right? Where it maybe was previously only commemorable through like, you know, their tombstone or some photos you now can have videos of people. You can have, you know, what they wrote about. There's so much more. Yeah, there are tweets. You can have vines. I mean, because our phones are essentially like content creators, being able to shape somebody's story, what it does, it kind of feels like just like a story. Like a lot of the times when I read these things, I, I read them as like general interest, hmm. you know, not as like a loss of a life. Yeah. And especially because... Uh, this comes to mind that there's there's concepts called the digital beyond where you can pay services to maintain all of your social media profiles. Oh, I didn't know you could maintain them. With yes, them. you can maintain them. Like you can continue on. You can set parameters. Like when I die, I want this kind of posting cadence. I want you to post about this. What? Yeah, there's like full blown services that do this. Thanks for that. I probably would. I think it's fantastic. I can imagine how. No, but like, I mean, like, if you're dead, who's paying for that? Literally. I mean, like, you you build, you buy, you pre-buy it. Like, you do insurance or your coffin or anything like that. It's like, oh, well, I will take the star, the gold star. How long is that? Last? Social media, but I mean, I guess until the company. Well, so they'll post about it perpetually, like until yeah. they go under. Change your photos. Change. Like it's it's That's insane. <laughs> I thought you like so when I first heard this idea, I thought it was more of like just sort of like you know bringing things to a close, making sure that people know. And you're talking about it more like now that I'm understanding what this means is like you're actively using somebody's yeah. account. You're at, like these people are actively posting for your account. That would be creepy. So uh, I found out about this service after I had a, a personal encounter with something that was similar. Personal story: My mom passed away when I was a teenager. And this was before the inception of social media. And I've done some Google searches on my mom just to see what comes up because she was a professional bodybuilder for a little bit. And it was, it all just predated the internet that we know today. And I was sitting at my previous job in Minneapolis and I received a friend request. My biological mom's name was Nancy from a woman named Nancy. Didn't think about it at first, clicked onto the profile uh, didn't have a last name. It was like Cher. Like, and I was like, okay, who's this, who's this Nancy? And it's not a common name. So anytime I hear it, there's like a little ping of like, oh, this memory. 
And then I go to it and there, you know, th this keeps layering on where at her funeral there was a particular yellow rose that was given to me and then I open up the profile and the cover photo is of a yellow rose. And now I'm thinking, okay, coincidence number two, that's, that's weird. And then I go even deeper and look at the person's photos because I'm like, what, what could this be? And it says they're from New Jersey and... And I'm like, oh, I'm from New Jersey, and so was my mom, and so was where this rose previously was. And there's all of these photos of my biological mom as a kid. Photos I've never even seen. I've never, I never saw photos of my mom as a child at that point. So now I'm sobbing <laughs> like, at, my, at my desk at work, and I'm thinking that this is some kind of cruel joke. Huh. That somebody is like, because how could it not be? Now, what it turned out to be was somebody that incredibly socially inept who was friends with my mom as a child, who curated this profile, her name also happened to be Nancy, curated this profile for my benefit in her mind of like, oh, I will show her daughter all of these photos and this will be a very joyous occasion for her, surprisingly, <laughs> at work. But and it, hilarity ensued. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what it made me think of is, you know, there is a whole subset of people who didn't have to think about what their curated lie, their curated online identity would be after they didn't exist anymore. Right. Where I just jokingly said I would absolutely hire this service to maintain all my social media profiles. Is this something that we eventually will evolve into? Is this something that will provide this like weird eternal life? Like, is, is this, like, to get really, like, deep here, is this what the Bible has prophesied, is that we will one day make the internet as, like, this salvation, and you will live forever. <laughs> you will live forever in the eyes of Mark Zuckerberg and the other 100 million <laughs> people on Facebook. It's so, it's so bizarre to think about that, um, that we spend a good majority of our lives now creating who we want the world to think we are, is it worth having somebody maintain that illusion? Yeah. Because it's, it's an illusion. I don't, I don't think that everybody is calculated when they're, being, when they're curating their online profiles. I mean, everybody's used to curation. We just now have it virtually and physically. Yeah. But you get to be your ideal self online. Right. You get to be your most clever. You get to give you know. everybody the highlights. Yeah. Like with, your, with where you're saying, like with posting about your child... You'll give them the best of information. They're not going to get the kid blowouts. just sleeping. <laughs> they, they might get the blowouts. Like, <laughs> the episode, this episode title is just going to be bang outs and blowouts. Like, <laughs> what happens when you die and what happens when you're here? <laughs> That's right. There was another article about um, like parent, like people's grief going viral, and the idea, mm. yeah, yes. the idea that like death escapes you and your pain can escape you and and have like a, an entire life of its own right and it was this uh, article about how um this uh couple had lost their child and then an artist had made a tattoo about it uh and then like tons of people online were getting this tattoo like of this kid and it made me think about how it's sort of like you're managing a message you're managing like a brand right yeah and but it's like the death of your kid. So it's like this crazy, crazy thing that you would never think that you would need to have to manage uh, online or like sort of put some like PR behind it. Sure. Right? But you have to, like, if something like that were, if something tragic like that were to happen to you and on top of that you were, uh, it also went viral, you, you would be really hard pressed. And the, that BuzzFeed article goes into like two different stories about that about being able to manage that whole experience because in the one sense for somebody who is savvy they absolutely could use it to then help them come over that grief uh, they used it to crowdfund to help pay for the funeral but on the converse for these people who weren't as savvy who weren't even aware necessarily that this campaign was going on it took them by complete surprise right yeah they felt like that that whole experience was taken from them and like sort of co-opted into something that they did not intend to happen. Well, there was um, when Facebook did the year in review and they thought of it as this very positive experience where you would get to look back on all of your interactions from the, throughout the year, not really taking into account how choreographed 
um, and customize people make their experiences. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of a fictitious year in review, but then also because you can't control what others post, you can, you. There, there is privacy settings, but like you're saying, you have to be specifically savvy. There was a ton of complaints about the Facebook year in review because it was showing the loss of children, dogs, uh, family members, friends, where you're trying to get through this grieving process on your own terms. And they're just like terms. ripping out the band-aid again. Yeah. And especially because when they first started the Facebook year in review, it would play automatically. Like when oh, you logged in. you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. And then they changed it to where you had to hit play. Um, but even then, whose curiosity can't, who, who can withstand it? I didn't go to the length of sharing, but I think about what, what's it going to be like for me. And, and this isn't in terms of like human loss, but just loss in general. I, I recently moved to California and there's times where like I look at Snapchat stories and see my friends in Minneapolis mm. having a ton of fun or I'm going to look back and what I'm, what's going to be highlighted for me on this, on this year in review is going to be all of the memories for why I wouldn't want to leave right. the place that I left. Like more, more of a wistful, like, oh, I'm, this is what I'm missing out on yeah. kind of feeling. And, and I think that that's one thing that the internet is providing a, a stronger path for in terms of loss or someone's death is who you are remembering through the lens of social media is, the like I said, the best version of somebody. Like, is it the actual memory that you have? Someone dies of a drug overdose. Obviously, you grieve no matter what. But the version of, like, your year in review for that is not going to be the the heartache that that hmm. loss caused. Like, it's going to be a romanticized version of who that person was to all those people. Certainly. And that's what I think about a lot when I see... People talk about, as somebody who's experienced like a, a close family member's death, sometimes it's really hard when people only remember the good. Right. You know, it, it's like it takes longer to resolve that this person was a, a, a human. Right. And they not had their, both like, their good and their bad side. Yeah. Like you romanticize it thinking that, which uh, causes you to sort of linger more or to grab, hold on to that idea more. And I thought about and that. that person. Yeah, like when I received that profile of the woman on Facebook, I immediately was upset because I was being confronted with things that I don't think about on a day-to-day basis. But then also having to rationalize or realize that the person that this woman remembered of my mom is just the best parts. And is like, is it to the point where... I'm only supposed to be broadcasting the best parts of that relationship. Does it like lessen the relationship because mm. I won't acknowledge the whole thing? Yeah. Um, well, and it also like reminds me about how posting in the reverse, like sort of showing like your lumps is such an exception, right? Like there are, there are bloggers who are, um, who, who have a huge following because they're so like raw and honest about, about about posting about their lives, right? It's usually the opposite. Like yeah. you're saying, it's about like just your highlights reel. It's not like all of the grittiness of your of your life and the positives and the negatives. I don't know if we've moved to a point online yet, unless it's about strict information where people do want to be an authority, like we were talking about in the parenting, where it's like genuinely to communicate like what you think is the, the best uh, information. I think when it comes to like personal broadcasting, we're still thinking about these tools in a in a very vain and brand-like way. I don't think that we've adopted the tools yet to be true reflections of ourselves. Certainly. It makes me think about a story like a long time ago. Um, I, I used to live abroad and then I came back and one of the first posts that I did, I wasn't thinking about this and... Um, it was just a funny article that I saw about how universally people revile certain things and one of them is poop, like mm-hmm. seeing it. And so I posted that online onto my feed. It must have been like either MySpace or Friendster. It was like that long time ago. Sure. And uh, a bunch of friends who I had not seen since high school, like we connected and then they looked me up online and they're like, whoa, Sean's life is totally different. He just talks about poop all the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? And like, I'm yeah. like, people, that's not my whole, it's not everything that I post about this one article. But it's, it's so true that it's like your, even your expectation of what people are going to post about, you expect people only to post about like the highlights, you know? Yeah. If you post even what I thought was a funny article about the universal revulsion of poop, people see that and they're like, oh man, like what's, what's wrong with, what's wrong with Sean these days? Yeah, I've, I've found myself trying to post more content on Facebook that I, I just find funny or interesting or that I've come across rather than content that I think only defines the person that I want you to know. I used to have a really, and like, uh, used to as in very recent of like the past couple weeks, had a very hard rule of like, I only post about my art stuff. Mm -hmm. I only want you to know about what I'm doing artistically. And from moving here and really this podcast currently being the one thing that I'm working on where normally I'm, I have my hand in a bunch of different things. I'm like, that's not really genuine. I could find a bunch of art things to talk about, but this is where my life is at right now. Yeah. Like what my life is at right now is me watching this like video of Cher and Michael Jackson singing songs together in the (laughs) 1970s. That's really what I'm doing right now. Or like binge watching Friday night lights. That's what my life looks like right now. And I've, especially having these conversations, I've been trying to think like, well, is it important for me to show the different facets of who I am? Does that actually make me a more interesting person? And I'm trying to control what I think will make me look interesting too much. Right. Oh yeah. So I wonder what your Facebook year in review will be where it starts off as like all art posts and then slowly declines into just like Friday Night Lights and like watch yeah. your videos, it's gonna be like, uh, Whoa, the Leo. And I've even <laughs> what happened to Leo? Oh my god! Like when I start posting about art things, I've been trying to write like, like beforehand, I'm bragging, and then because I'm, I've been so exhausted with people being like, I'm so humbled to have the opportunity. Bullshit! You're excited about it and you're bragging about it. And you want people to know and you want people to share it. Or I've just like point blank started asking like, Hey, if you like this, will you share it? Will you let other people know about it? I just recently for this podcast got to a bunch of my friends. I was like, are you listening to this on iTunes? Will you rate it? Hmm. Like, what do I have to lose? Right. Well, in place too, um, and this is like, this has been true for other things for me too. Unless you ask people something, they generally don't think about it. Yeah. I mean, like how many times, like everything that we've talked about is how all of these media, like all these different platforms have allowed you to be so self-serving that and sometimes when you're doing things for you, you forget that like they're either against someone else sometimes or that you're just not thinking about what else you could be doing. Like I don't think that anybody sits at home and is like, I'm not going to like Leah's post today. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure that I have Maybe a, your few, enemies, yeah, yeah. a few enemies out there. <laughs> I'm not going to like that post. No. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would I, like it. I would like it. I love that article and I love that podcast. I'm not going to like this today. Most of the time, like you're saying, like, just ask. Right. And I think ultimately with all these different life things. So just ask. Just ask. Well, Sean, thanks so much for talking to me today. Awesome. Thanks so much. It was a a ton of fun. Um, Had a a blast. (laughs) Awesome. So just one more time, where can people find you online? People can find me at seanaquino.com. And I am uh, going to be writing about uh, writing about being a dad. Uh, I haven't picked uh, a name for the site or uh, where people can go, but uh, when you go to that, when you go to seanakino.com, uh, you'll be able to find out more information about that and about some of the other things that I do. Awesome. Um, it's spelled. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll include it in the show notes, but it's S E A N is my first name. And my last name is A Q U I N O. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Share your thoughts and opinions about this episode's themes on Twitter at and the internet and on the blog at leeandtheinternet.com. You can also find the show on facebook.com slash leeandtheinternet.